एक मिनट रुक जाओ रेडी होने दो चलो ये कर लेते हैं You would know the hassles of making online spends using your personal credit card instead of a corporate one because you don't have one yet. Deepthi Sanghi not only recognized this need but also solved it by launching the revolutionary Kodo, the credit card for startup which gets approved within 3 minutes. Deepthi was born and brought up in Delhi. She graduated from the prestigious LSR college and did her MBA in finance from MDI. Listen to her as she tells host Akshay Dutt about her placements right after MBA and her journey of building Kodo. And uh, from campus, you got into SBI Caps. Yes, that's right. So uh, what happened was I, I went on an exchange program to Germany uh, in the second year and the fifth term. and um yeah until then i wasn't pretty sure what i wanted to do and this was uh, in hhl in leipzig and uh, there we kind of uh, so so that's i think one of the top two schools in germany and uh, all the investment banks and consultancies come there and they really woo the students there to join them so they have these parties that the biggest investment bank would throw for the students there to get the best of the crop and uh, they would have these elaborate presentations and so in fact they had this one day when they um you know invited all the women in the batch to this was morgan stanley invited them to go to frankfurt and and look at um you know and and be inside an investment bank because during those times i mean there was this whole thing about and even now right about diversity of having more women in investment banking which is predominantly a male dominated industry at least then uh, right and um, so we got really we went to the morgan stanley office in frankfurt and we kind of interacted with the women bankers there and and you know it became a legit career option and um so that kind of opened up my um eyes around investment banking and uh, i was like hey i want to do this okay so um then when i came back um of course we were like we apply for all kind of jobs right you don't know which one you're going to get uh, marketing and finance um i did have this uh, you know thing and which is what like snooty finance people have hey we're not going to sell soaps right <laughs> that's how that your career in, in sales and marketing i'm not going to go door to door selling soaps and then okay i'll do like this financing and so i think that's what i did by the way like life comes full circle right earlier i was like i'm not going to sell soaps now i'm selling credit cards <laughs> which is worse <laughs> so, so uh, yeah so anyways um, i was um, i kind of sat for all the interviews and sbi caps at that point was the only um, investment bank where you had a front end role you know we did have other uh, like jp morgan and i think that was another investment bank that came but that was mostly around the research uh, part of it uh, and um, i i was uh, so sba caps was the only uh, investment bank who came on campus where we would be in the front end where we interact with clients and and uh, be on the team that's actually advising the companies for you know mna or fundraising activities so i yeah i got that so what role does an investment bank play like why do clients come to i banks like you know what are the things that uh, you would have been offering to clients okay so um in investment banking um you have like uh, two three different things right so one is the uh, advisory where which is what i used to do where let's say if a company wants to acquire another company and they want to evaluate a bunch of options and decide what valuation to do what should be the deal terms so that was one uh, or if a company wants to sell uh, themselves right so buy and sells m and a and uh, second is if they want to raise a private equity round of funding uh, which is largely for growth companies right where you're looking to raise uh, a few hundred crores and and you are 
uh, profitable and a high growth trajectory. Well, now startups are raising a few hundred crores, which are not profitable, but that's another story. At, at least then, this was around 2005, is, is what, you know, uh, uh, that is what we were doing. The second part of investment banking, which comes under equity trading, is, is more of stock trading and being, um, you know, a, a trader on the stock markets. Uh, and uh, or, or the research. So all the research reports around listed companies that comes into play. And the third thing is taking a company IPO, right? So where uh, a company is ready to list on the stock exchanges and you kind of interact with the regulators, the exchange, the potential investors and put it all together and, and you know, help the company list. So those are the three main things I can think of right now, but it's been a while and I'm kind of, you know, I've, I've been in investment banking for quite a few years now but um so i was in the advisory part of it yeah and how was that experience was it as glamorous as you imagined it while you were in germany um yes it was right so uh of course there's a lot of work and um very long work hours working on weekends uh i think all of that stays right um and for me it was okay because i am a bit of a workaholic in that sense. So I was kind of all right with that. And uh, it came naturally. Um, and, you know, it was, it, it's pretty heady as well, right? So when you're meeting, uh, you know, you're in your mid 20s, you're meeting these uh, CXOs and founders of these large companies, who have built things from scratch, and you kind of just, you know, uh, are advising them, or at least helping, um, you know, put together their financials and, you know, kind of are in the same room. If, even if I'm not advising them, at least I'm there and I'm, I feel like I'm a part of this, like, you know, environment. So in that sense, it's pretty glamorous and heady, right? And in fact, I remember the, the day I, I left my investment banking, I was feeling like, you know, these are like these nice corridors of her office and I'm walking into an important meeting. I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave all of this. <laughs> and for, uh, so it, it, I did feel that tug internally that's really, uh, but I guess um, it is, it is uh, glamorous. And of course it's a lot of hard work, which is there everywhere. Right. Uh, if you, if you want to succeed, I think in any field that, that hard work is there. Um, but yeah. And of course, uh, this was in 2005 and 2008, nine is when the big crash happened when being an investment banker was like a bad word. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's kind of funny, you know, it's um, a few months before the crash, there was like an episode uh, on TV around uh, investment banking as a career. And my company nominated me to kind of be featured there. <laughs> and uh that was like a big joke, right? Uh, where the the whole thing starts with me looking into the sea because we were on the we were in Nariman Point in Bombay, right? So it starts me looking into the sea, and the next day after this was aired, um, the head of investment banking, and by the way, he's the one who nominated me. He comes and he's like, he's laughing at me. He's like, you know, she's like the poster child of investment banking. She's looking into the sea, and and that's what investment banking is right now. We are all at sea. We don't know what's happening. This is like a couple of months before the Lehman crash. So I think the early warning signs were there. And um, so, yeah, so anyway, so so this was, uh, you know, uh, the period when it was super hot. At the same time, immediately after that, it kind of crashed. And um, I mean, in India, it was not, India basically felt the tremors of, of the shock that happened in the U.S., so it was not really something that was intrinsic to the way we were working. But suddenly it was, uh, you know, from becoming very glamorous, it was more like, okay, you make a lot of money here. And, and you know, you kind of, um, yeah. But, but I think that's the nature of the job. When you're dealing with like a large amount of capital, like advising uh, companies on, you know, hundreds of thousands of crores, uh, and you take a small percentage of that, it's just the nature of the job, right? So, so in fact, I've kind of moved from investment banking to retail banking in a sense. And I can see why investment banking, you make a lot more money than retail banking. The reason being that the per person contribution to the amount of money that the company makes is so much larger in investment banking because like a team of three or four people would be advising on thousands of crores of capital, right? Versus in retail banking, you have per per, per employee ticket size of, of uh, money that's exchanging hands. It's much smaller. 
So you had like a bunch of stints uh, fr- after SBI. You went to Edelweiss and then to Eight Innovate. Yeah. Uh, tell me about. This. Yeah. So um, Edelweiss was basically uh, again investment banking, where I spent a large part of my time um, focused on uh, advising companies on private equity and M and A transactions. Um, my main focus was in financial services space. Uh, in in fact, um, you know, one of the companies I advised in 2008 was a microfinance company, which had a very strong impact on me, in the sense that uh, I could really see how uh, you know a lending play uh, can actually impact the lives of these women who are entrepreneurs who are founders in their own right like very small micro businesses uh, but how that credit is super important to help them take off right so so that had a very deep impact and and you know along this while i was always like kind of working on ideas to do something of my own on i had this thing that okay i'm going to do a job and one of the reasons of investment banking other than the exposure in germany was around um that you make money so i was like okay i have a certain number i need to reach in terms of my savings once i reach that then i'm going to do my business because uh, you know i thought that that's the right way to do it and um, yeah so so that uh, transaction that i did for eskis microfinance seeded something around like how a credit can um, help with uh, an entrepreneur or a small business's journey and and that's and i was like iterating on a number of ideas around that and while i was hoping to reach that you know savings number which i had in mind and as life has it i mean i reached that number and beyond but you know you kind of settle into a comfort zone <laughs> and a rhythm and you get addicted to your paycheck so it yeah it was just like you know i was like waiting for that idea to hit me <laughs> and uh and yeah it was um so i, I continued there for a while and um then i uh, one day i just was like okay uh, and and this was like a slow period right when when things were kind of slow and um, i mean it, in investment banking you always have these extreme highs and lows right when there's a lot of work suddenly and you don't like have any day off versus you might have a few days when you're kind of cooking a deal or you know pitching and stuff like that so this is probably one of those days when and given that i i'm kind of addicted to work i was probably just restless and i said okay let's just uh, you know figure out uh, what next and i took the plunge and initially uh, for a couple of years i was kind of doing angel investing i um i got married and moved to the us for about a year and uh, i was dabbling in a few startup ideas investing in them in the fintech space right and um, then you moved to the us uh, because your husband yes, was there yeah, or that's right yeah and uh, yeah and there i kind of uh, you know met some of the most successful fintech startups uh, and met with the and and that's when i realized it's so easy to meet the ceos and um, you know uh, of large companies and uh, kind of understand what they're doing if you just ask right um, because when the company is large enough um, you know uh, the cxos usually have uh, time and if if they see they can help you in any way uh, at least in the us i saw they were very generous right so yeah i kind of uh, understood the fintech ecosystem there and um, you know was dabbled a bit in in cryptocurrency ideas uh, in terms of investing in them evaluated a few of them um didn't buy much bitcoin unfortunately but yeah in in this in this period you were using your own money yes. uh, in all yes, these things yes that's right yeah remember i i crossed my number <laughs> that i had so uh yeah i think that's um, that's what happened and then i decided to come back and uh, you know start a, a venture which was around offering credit to small businesses in india and uh, you know so like there was a digitization happening where businesses were selling online um, on amazon flipkart so i was like hey what if we can offer credit to them and i knew this has to be a tech play because uh, that is when you can actually reach scale um, in a short period of time and um, so while i was kind of working on that i realized that i was really out of my depth in terms of how to use tech to do this right it was just something and i did not have the network in the tech space because i come from investment banking and i 
within my own um, an MBA before that, right? So not even an engineering school. So I just did not have like the network to leverage to, uh, you know, or, or to even like kind of understand how to go about it. And this was also fairly new in India then. So around that time, I had the opportunity to work with MoneyTap, which is a fintech company based in Bangalore. And um, they were looking for, uh, so I know the founder, Bala, really well. And uh, he used to keep coming to Bombay because you have to work with banking partners. So he said uh, he wanted somebody to manage those banking partnerships. And, um, you know, I thought this was a perfect fit where I kind of uh, bring the banking um, relationships and the understanding I have of the financial uh, ecosystem. And... um, you know, kind of be the bridge between Bombay and Bangalore, so to speak. So I was literally living between these two cities for about two and a half years. Uh, I joined the team uh, that like at a very early stage. Uh, so I remember the day before I joined, I was actually launched into a large meeting with a partner bank. That was a kickoff meeting uh, for us to uh, kind of figure out the product and and take it ahead. Yeah, so... Hmm. MoneyTap was doing the same thing, like they were lending to SMEs. Um, so MoneyTap, the product was similar, but the target customer uh, is salaried individuals. So so they don't do uh, businesses, right? So yeah, so we, we kind of uh, launched that and um, I would live between the two cities, um, kind of marry the the financial and the risk side of the business that the banks look at it, look at from with the technical and the extreme customer focus uh, side of of a tech startup that the team in Bangalore was looking at. So that was an amazing experience. I had so much to learn. I kind of, um, I mean, going into money, I didn't know what is back end, front end of engineering, right? Just like, it was just like words. And and then that kind of really got into the guts of the, the tech um, platforms, the legacy systems, the banks, and see how to, uh, you know, change them or, or not, you can't change it. I mean, there are certain ways around it where how to modify certain flows so that our customers get the experience that we want them to, which is like a quick, like get loan instantly, right? If you're applying for a loan, get that, yeah, get that approval in like two minutes. How do you do that? Right. And this was in, 2016 and it it wasn't I mean right now I think there is a lot of work that's gone into it already and and successful but then it was kind of the first of its kind right to actually even implement that so um, those were like amazing years where I actually and and Bala who's the you know co-founder and CEO he has built multiple companies in the past and sold them and, and he's a very successful VC as well so I had tons to learn from him in terms of, you know, uh, how to lay the foundation of the of the right team and and how do you, the best practices of, of running a startup uh, and, um, of course, the whole the product and tech around it. And, um, yeah, so that, so that was a very important milestone uh, in my journey. Okay. And how did uh, MoneyTap grow in your stint with them? Like, what kind of numbers did you see or you know was it like an explosive growth kind of a phase uh yeah so i think uh we we launched uh beta i think in uh, i think june 2016 and i think september october 2016 is when we kind of launched it in the market and of course uh there is like an endless demand for credit, right? Anywhere. So, and the product is so powerful. Uh, I remember we had this chat-based interface to onboard a customer. So, there's a Q&A happening where you answer questions instead of filling a form, right? So, so that was like pretty cool. That was we were the first ones to do that, and uh, I think uh, over the next two years, if my memory serves me right, uh, we were probably disbursing fifty million dollars. So we had disbursed fifty million dollars uh, worth of credit um, in in that period. So. And and we we partnered with uh, with RBL Bank for that, and then there were a few other partners that we had, uh, and we were also expanding. I mean, by the time I was leaving, we were working on expanding to outside India, uh, to a couple of geographies there, and I think uh, they've gone live in one of them now. So yeah, it was um, yeah, so this was a good phase of launching and scaling a product at MoneyTap. 
so you know uh, what made you want to move on um yeah so i think uh, i i kind of uh, had seen the journey of a startup from scratch right to a uh, uh, stable scaled i mean no well, not stable it was still growing rapidly um and and a scaled business and um i i was like hey this was basically a flexible credit for salaried people right and my vision was always to do something for other businesses right it's, and and it kind of now when i think back i can join the dots right that i grew up in that environment uh, a lot of formative years were around books uh, around these stories and um like even the best part of investment banking was uh, that you're you're kind of working closely with the founders and really understanding how they build something from scratch right that i mean i used to love visiting factories uh, because as part of investment banking when you're advising companies you is a part of due diligence where you go and visit a factory or the production setup and i used to love that especially like steel factories they were full of you know like dirt and soot and everything but it's just that you can see things like being built there right and and um it, it i don't know for me it was like a very the best part of doing a deal and uh, so there was a constant thread that was running and i was like hey now this product which i'm like which we've got here at money tab which is flexible credit for salaried people is actually very relevant for small businesses right so and and this is what i wanted to do before money tap as well but i just didn't know how to do it so, so then i was like okay now i know it and um, you know uh, we have an nbfc in the family i said okay let's just leverage that and now i know how to build the tech and the partnerships and and you know the various pieces of the puzzle that go into giving a frictionless banking experience and um, uh, kind of launched uh, into that i i started working on that uh, idea then so tell me how you put together all the pieces like how did you have an nbfc in the family and why does one need an nbfc here like what was the role of that nbfc in so Kodo? the role is uh, when you're providing credit right when you're lending then you need to have uh, a lending license so to speak right i mean but you're lending yourself or uh, you have a banking partner who's lending and like you are in a way that tech yeah so i I'll come to the current avatar of Kodo, right? But when I started, it was basically a, a flexible credit line for businesses. So we would be selling, uh, sorry, we would be lending ourselves from the NBFC, right, to the other businesses, uh, and and you know we'd build the tech over that to give an instant approval and, and a constant line of credit. So uh, basically, what I mean, any business can lend to anybody else. right but however as per regulations if more than 50% of your income is from you know financial income or a lending activity you need to be licensed as a lender right so uh you, so th- so that's a prerequisite to do this and um yeah so when i started that that was a plan and i i tried to so so you know i'm 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 a marwari and i was like okay i have to have my finances clean and clear separate right i said okay let me get a separate card for my business expenses because i shouldn't be putting it and this is the first time i was doing something like this right so i was like okay i'm not going to put it on my personal card and then get a dream boost and stuff i'll just put it on my company card right and um i uh so we've had very long banking relationships with a couple of top banks uh, you know hdfc and icici bank and i think hdfc kind of didn't even bother to respond uh, after multiple follow ups maybe it's a function of the relationship manager or whichever department you were in so that was hard and icici bank i had to do relentless follow ups for 3 months to eventually get a corporate card for us even though our banking account is with them and i've had a personal relationship like i always bank with them like since 2005 right and i have a lot of respect for them i think they are probably one of the best in terms of customer service etc and and the user interface um but this product was just not something that they were focused on right and it was super hard to get and eventually when i got it uh, and it, they kind of uh, did not i did not have like a net banking access to my credit card statement they were sending me physical statements and it was linked to my corporate account so i didn't have to like it didn't hurt me because they were just doing automatic debits from the account so it was fine i didn't miss it but still it was just bizarre i was getting paper statements instead i could never log in and see so i was like okay this is something that i could see was uh, you know a pain point and i had done something like this in manitap where it was a credit card and a credit line uh, product that was i know i, I kind of literally 
you know, was a part of the team that built it from scratch. Uh, and uh, I, I knew the ropes of that. And I said, hey, I mean, this is a great entry point. Let's let's do this. This is the white space I can see. And, and uh, let me see if I can put this together, right? If I can do a, a credit card along with the credit line. And um, around that time, uh, there were a couple of platforms who uh, kind of, you know, sit between the uh, networks like MasterCard, Visa, and the banks uh, and and kind of have this tech platform that you can plug and play into, right, and launch your own card. So this was really early days. This was uh, 2018, right? And uh, I'm uh, I'm very deep in the fintech ecosystem as such. It's it's like literally I was... I've been with the system since 2015, and that's when it's been kind of, you know, taking off. So um, I knew the right people to work with. And then uh, I kind of uh, approached them, and we kind of put the pieces together that, okay, this is how this is going to work. You know, this is a bank we'll partner with, and uh, we'll have MasterCard, and, and uh, you know, we'll have this company that, you know, our company that would run the program, acquire customers, et cetera. So I think that's uh, that's how it started. Now, I, I still needed uh, somebody on, on the tech bit because this is fairly tech-intensive. And um, I, I was... Uh, had already built an instant credit product, right? Like, uh, so you must have got some uh, somebody to do that for you. Um, like at this stage, you already had like a credit product, right? Oh, like where you were lending. No, 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 no. So, so no, I did not have that. At least in my company, I did not have that, right? So I, I was. Uh, it, it was not. I identified the people uh, that who would be building it, but they were all outsourced. The chronology is that the credit card and the credit line both got launched yes, together, yeah, is it? Like yeah. while you were working on the credit line, the credit card idea also came to you and then you kind of yes. uh, redrew the business plan. And, yes, okay, that's got right. It. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. And and one of the things I had in terms of like tech thing was that I'm based in Mumbai, right? Um, and so it was kind of hard to build that, you know, tech team in Mumbai, at that point in time, because uh, most of that talent is in Bangalore and, um, you know, it was just uh, a little bit difficult, but still at least I knew what I was looking for in that person, right? So it's interesting, I I reached out to Gaurav, who's now my co-founder and CTO uh, on LinkedIn. (laughs) And this was in, I think, uh, late 2018 and, and we connected. So now, in fact, when I tell people I met Gaurav on LinkedIn, they give me a disdainful look and they're like, oh, it's like saying you found your husband on Tinder, you know. <laughs> I'm, like, okay. I'm like, look, that's not too bad, right? Because uh, like I, I have friends uh, who found their, you know, life partner on Tinder and it's worked beautifully. And um, well, it's uh, it's worked really well for Gaurav and I as well. You know, <laughs> you should ask him though. What's his background? Like, tell me about Gaurav. Um, yeah, so before this, he was a part of a startup in, in the US, uh, and which was basically uh, a kind of a LinkedIn stroke uh, GitHub for security professionals, right? So like tech security professionals. And I was like, this is great because, and prior to that, he had worked in a number of startups, like um, I think Apna Pesa and Holiday IQ, Media Melon, Atos Origin, so very strong tech background. And um, I, I was, um, um, you know, I, I found his profile attractive because he had worked for security professionals. And I was like, for a fintech product, that is super important, right? Uh, it was as simple as that. And I was like, okay, let's meet and figure it out. And, and then we met in Jan 2019, right? He was in Mumbai yes, at that yeah, time. He was in Mumbai. And uh, we kind of, um, so when I was telling him about my vision for what we wanted to build here, he was like, he articulated it perfectly, right? Because um, he'd been in a number of startups and he could understand the pain point of this. And uh, he, he found an immediate connect there. And he agreed to come on board as an advisor, right? So he, I mean, and, and remember, we'd met on LinkedIn, right? So you're like, and I know, I mean, as being an angel investor in startups, I know the biggest cause for any startup to fail is founder conflict, right? And I was like, I, I don't want to deal with that. So unless I'm pretty sure about this person, I'm not going to like commit, right? So um, 
So yeah, so and and the same thing with Gaurav as well. He was also uh, he's got very high EQ, right, and IQ obviously, and he was also very aware of this fact and uh, very rare in a yeah high yeah EQ, I, yeah so I I think I that's what I got super lucky, right? And he um, he kind of um, uh, agreed to be come on board as an advisor, and then he was. Um, there with us for the next few months while we were getting this built and august 2019 is when he decided to come on board full time i think he kind of said okay i'm safe to work with and he uh, took the plunge and we launched our product in december 2019 with with our first re- i mean we we our product was live uh, i think in september but for the next two three months we were just doing intense testing just doing transactions uh, ourselves internally we gave it to like two three people um because this is a at the end of the day it's a credit card right i mean you are swiping the card somewhere there's a transaction happening and then as you go down into the payments rabbit hole you see that okay there are just so many like scenarios that can occur for any given transaction that um, you know we we we're testing it like in in Tensely, and then in December we had a first real customer who finished the first full month of, like where we issued like the first statement, the credit card statement was in Jan, yeah. So uh, your original idea that you were to do the lending yourself, so that uh, you pivoted from that into partnering with a bank who would. Uh, yeah like yeah so lending. um so so the lending is still there right so whatever you spend on the cards right is on the bank but at the same time uh, we also have an option where you can take credit like you can say okay so let's say you've got a credit limit of 5 lakh rupees right and you've spent let's say 2 lakhs a month on your various um, online spends so be it let's say facebook or google marketing or or aws Uh, or server costs or various id subscriptions etc now you still have 3 lakhs of credit limit left with you so what you can do is you can say and if you need working capital short term credit for 3 months 6 months you can say hey i need 1 lakh for rupees 1 lakh for 6 months so you can go and you know select that amount and the tenure for which you need that working capital and the money goes into your bank account instantly right and then your uh, emis start on that and and so that is the lending part that the nbfc uh, is doing right so that is going from the nbfc's book and that gets uh, adjusted against your credit yes. limit like your credit limit would go down by yeah, that yeah okay. and then the emi gets added to your statement and you can so uh, how did you uh, convince a bank to partner with you like was it a tough sell or like because of your connections you were able to do it easily yeah i think one is the credibility right so uh, given that i had built uh, something like this i knew the language to speak and i knew the risk and and what what is it that the banks are concerned about um so i kind of knew that language and that kind of helped and of course the experience of being in money tap and and doing this i think that uh, really helped and um, so i think you know like for a bank the most important thing is that uh, you know So, so banks actually in India are very open to partner, right, with uh, with fintech startups, which is incredible, right, because they understand what is it that they can do and what is it they they can't, right, and and um, it's um, so they they are um, so I know what is it that banks are most concerned about. Of course, they need growth, like anybody does, but they are very compliance first. right which is how they are designed to be given that they're regulated by rbi very strongly and given that they are uh, the custodians of all the deposits the savings and fts that all of us keep with the banks right so i mean they have to ensure that uh, the banks don't fail because all of our hard earned money is there so those are the two things that they are most concerned about right uh, so not to take overdue risk so that it depletes the amount of money with them and second is uh, be compliant with rbi regulations right and and once you respect that and and you know kind of uh, so, so that's one part of the thing and the second part on the customer end is that now because banks are compliance first uh, they find it hard to make a radical shift where uh, the customer gets an instant banking experience now some banks are actually doing that right but for a new customer a new to bank customer it is super hard for them so and and there is a lot of legacy that's already there which has been built compliance first so 
I mean, eventually there will be some banks that will be able to do a great job of marrying the compliance and regulatory aspect with the customer experience of instant credit or instant financial product. Eventually that will happen, but it's not happened yet. And, and um, that's where the opportunity is for fintech startups or uh, you know tech companies to come in and, and take care of the customer side of the experience. Right. That's why we exist. But at the same time, you know, we have to run on a banks or, or regulated entities rails. Right. So so that's where the magic lies. Right. That's where the the art of this is that how do you do that? And, and for that, you need extreme empathy on both sides. So in your uh, two minute approval process, like how do you do the credit uh, risk assessment? Like what all data points do you look at? Are you at liberty to talk about that? Um, yeah, I can talk about it. I mean, it's fairly simple, right? So when it comes to credit, there are two things. Uh, you know, it's there's nothing new about it. It's it's been like there for for ages. Is the intent and ability, right? So the intent is basically whether you as a borrower uh, are honest and have high integrity, and whether you will repay if you had the ability to repay, right? And the second is the ability is like, um, you know, whether you can afford to take this amount of credit, right? So it's like if somebody is making an income of, let's say, 10 lakhs and I give them a credit of two crores, it's obviously like they don't have the ability to service that, right? Unless it's like a 50-year or 30-year loan, right? Um, so, So those two things, very basic, nothing new. Now, how do you address that, right? So intent is basically now we are at a journey where there's a lot of credit history already for a lot of, uh, uh, you know, borrowers out there. So based on the credit history and the past credit behavior, you can understand whether this person's intent is correct or not. If somebody has defaulted a lot in the past, then you know, okay, this person's either intentions wrong or is irresponsible, right? So... So these algorithms you had to make from scratch or are these like, you know, available off the shelf? The, the, all this decision making mm-hmm. which you do, like how did you build that up? So, um, yeah, I mean, we built it from scratch, right? And uh, I had uh, the experience experience of doing this at MoneyTap where uh, I was working closely with the risk teams of banks and I knew what is it that is required in these algorithms. Right. So I knew the the business requirement and the product requirement of this. And then, of course, Gaurav coded it into building those algorithms. However, these algorithms are available to buy, but they're very expensive. So we didn't take that up. So uh, and, you know, so December, you kind of went live. So tell me the journey from December to now we are hitting December soon. So, you know, what's this? year been like for you yes so we went live in december the next two months obviously growing rapidly uh 100 growth right uh, and this was through our own network and people who took the product initially they loved it and again people didn't know about this kind of a product right people don't a lot of people don't know there's something called a corporate credit card right so uh we saw very good offtake until feb and then mid-march the lockdown hit us Right. And it, there were already some. So March is when we kind of, uh, you know, decelerated a bit. And April was the first lockdown month when um, everything came to a standstill. So we were again uh, down uh, in April. And um, so so that April is when we took the time to really talk to a lot of our customers and understand what is the most important thing on their mind. Right. So uh, what is it that's top of mind for them? Now, everybody's business is shut. Right. So everybody's thinking, okay, when will this lockdown end? How do I increase my sales? How do I sell? I have this, uh, like, you know, these um, expenses. Uh, And it was an interesting thing where a lot of these businesses uh, that were cash flow businesses, they didn't fire anybody. Right. They, especially the smaller businesses, they kind of kept everybody on board because it was more like family, right? They've, they've, like the founders felt guilty of uh, firing people. And of course, it was also this thing that, you know, this thing with like lockdowns only for a month or something. And um, so, so yeah, so for them, that was the top of the mind thing. And what we did and then was that uh, we said, hey, uh, what if we can... And around that time, we were thinking of starting some social media um, campaigns and stuff because we had been really under the radar throughout, right? We just wanted to keep 
growing the product and not really like do PR or you know any kind of make some make any noise because we were just kind of working hard on getting customers understanding their need building the product eye trading so that time and when the lockdown hit we were actually thinking of some ideas okay how do we start activate our like social media so we said hey um, you know our customers need this they need more uh, awareness of their products they want to sell more so we started a campaign called the heartbeat campaign the idea being that these businesses are the heartbeat of the economy and we got to keep them running and uh, we started uh, you know uh, posting stories of the founders and and the companies and um, you know publicizing their product to in whatever small way, we are too small. We don't have a large audience, but we said, okay, whatever small way we can do that, and uh, drive people to their uh, to their uh, websites and, and help them increase their sales. Luckily for us, a lot of our customers fell in the essential services category, right? Like um, so some of the large names that we have as customers are Epigamia, Blue Tokai, Urban Platter, Doctor Weathers. These are all like companies that fall in the essential services category. So they could technically sell, but their whole uh, supply chain and operations on the ground were stuck, right? Um, and they could not, so offline retail channels were shut. And uh, I think Amazon and Flipkart and Big Basket were also shut for about a month, uh, largely because of the operational complexity on the ground. They didn't know how to source stuff, right? So then all of these guys activated their own e-commerce um, uh, websites where they started selling directly uh, on their channels because until then they were getting a lot of demand from uh, you know the larger e-commerce players and through the offline channel so so they started getting traffic there and then they started spending on google and facebook to drive traffic to their websites right and and suddenly in May, we started seeing a lot more spends happening on our cars. And we're like, okay, what happened, <laughs> right? Suddenly, I mean, because the lockdown continued um, and we're like, okay, what's changed? And we looked at our data and we saw, okay, these companies are spending more on like digital marketing. And and while we were talking to them, they also said that, hey, we are driving traffic here. This is where, and then at the same time, they had to deliver, service those orders themselves. So they started spending on logistics as well. Right to so because earlier the the uh, servicing was being done by offline retail or through Amazon, Flipkart, etc. Right, so so that was uh, like the turning point when we said, okay, now this is something that is uh, where all the spends are going to be. So let's just focus here. Right, prior to that, uh, a large amount of our spends were in travel and food uh, because of business development activities, and that's obviously gone down to zero. Now it's again picking up, but. For the last few months, it was zero. And however, this kind of took off and how, right? It kind of literally overshadowed everything else. And um, uh, and and yeah, so that uh, kind of, that that's where the businesses started spending. And as businesses were remote, they were spending on various IT subscription tools to manage report teams. So that uh, also kind of took off. And, uh, you know, a little exercise of the heartbeat campaign um, gave us ideas where we said, you know, we already offer a lot of uh, uh, free credits and discounts from AWS and uh, Freshworks, Message91, uh, Exotel. So a lot of business tools that companies can use. It's almost worth 50 lakhs uh, of free credits that we offer. And we said, hey, why can't like our customers who uh, are also offering various products, they can showcase their products to other Kodo users, right? So, so we call it the Kodo Club and uh, we started offering our customers' products on, on that uh, benefits section. So yeah, that was an interesting thing that came out of the lockdown. Them two things, right? One is that uh, complete shift in the spend profile uh, on online advertising and also, um, you know, this thing where we started offering or our and, and we give give this like for free right to kind of um, talk about their products on our platform so uh, would not an economic downturn also inherently increase demand for credit because a lot more people would be worried about making ends meet and would be looking for credit like especially like small businesses uh, i imagine which are like very cash flow based yeah, you know, it's uh, it works both ways, right? The thing is, when somebody is like a responsible, uh, and, and that's where the intent matters a lot, right? When you're responsible and you have high intent. If they see their business is going 
down or it's shut, they actually don't want to take more credit, right? Because they don't want to be stuck with debt. I mean, credit anyways in India is like, you know, a bad word. Um, so th- they are kind of like more conscious of the fact that they don't want to be indebted too much, right? Of course, in, in so so I think uh, it'll be interesting to see the data. I don't know that, but at least from our limited data set, we saw that uh, unless that credit is actually helping you increase your sales, you don't want to dip into that because people understand there's a cost attached to it. Right. And and that was one of the things which I was pretty clear of when starting this out, that people should take credit only if it helps them enhance their income earning capacity. Right. That's one of the learnings I had from the SKS microfinance days that, you know, this credit is important to help them increase their income earning capacity. Right. So because there's a cost attached to it. So, I mean, if you're taking credit for consumption, um, Unless it's, let's say if it's a housing loan or a car loan, which is spread over a long period of time, and it's basically you're matching the cash flows of a stable income with a lumpy expense that you have in terms of buying a house or a car, that makes sense, right? Um, or, or an emergency that comes in. Uh, but if you're funding a lifestyle or, uh, let's say, a stalled business, and you're going on funding the expenses uh, with credit where there's a cost attached to it then that's not the most prudent financial planning for yourself or your business right um so so that's where uh, you know we saw that you know a lot of our customers were actually quite um, diligent about it so now the spendings were happening on online advertising right and that is basically a revenue driver so the more you showcase your product and put it out there the more it sells so so yeah, so it's it's basically like they say it's a K-shaped recovery, right? Where some businesses are benefiting a lot. So all the businesses who were quickly able to turn around and be digital first and drive traffic, I think they saw a lot of growth. Um, businesses who were unable to do that, their growth kind of stalled. Um, thankfully, we had more of the former than the latter. And uh, that helped us uh, grow 12x in the last six months, right? So we've been at a, growing at a very strong clip. Do you think uh, that you know, with uh, like offline getting hit, the the process that you've built of two minute online approval would like uh, have like a significant uh, uh, acceptance and preference also as compared to people looking for credit cards with traditional banks as the yeah. uh, issue. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's an important thing, and and that's something that's been non negotiable for me even before the lockdown, right? I mean, that's what my whole journey in fintech started with, that that's how it should be. I mean, imagine you can get a full car and a human being in the form of Uber or Ola in like a minute, right? At your service when, when you when you tap on a on an app. Now, and, and that's like a physical object. So why can't you have like money at the tap of a button, which is just like bits, right? Bits and bytes. So... I mean, it's it's mind-boggling when you kind of compare the two, right? And then you're like, okay, wh- what's going on? Why is it not possible? So I think that was a de facto thing where we wanted to create that journey where it's an instant approval and you can um, use the product instantly. I think that's always been the North Star. And, um, you know, like from the very beginning, we had that flow of, you know, we didn't take any shortcuts that, okay, let's, let's do this later, et cetera. I think... Um, I think that's the that's the basic line you need to have in in any fintech product right now. Uh, so how do you uh, make money? Like, do you have a monthly fees, or do you also make money when transactions happen? Like, what are the revenue sources for? Kodo? Yeah, so it's uh, largely through transactions. It's interesting you mentioned that. So like when we pitch to customers and we tell about a product and we say, hey, it's free. Then they're like, oh, okay, it's another startup that's just burning money, right? <laughs> or, or they feel like, are you sure you can sustain this? Like, does it make sense? And uh, well, well, they would never ask a bank, right, when they get a credit card, which is kind of free. Uh, but they have that empathy for us because I guess they believe that banks should at least offer them like this, if nothing else, right? Um, so, so yeah, so I, I've I've been like explaining our business model quite a bit to a lot of people so it works simply right so whenever you swipe a card at a restaurant and let's say you have to pay 100 rupees to the restaurant the restaurant owner gets 98 rupees or something around that number 
and the two rupees is shared uh, between a number of players, right? So let's say if you are rep- presenting uh, a card that's issued to you by Citibank, and uh, the cus- the merchant, uh, you know, their bank is let's say HDFC. So that two rupees would be split between ICICI, uh, sorry, Citibank and HDFC, and if your card is on Mastercard, with Mastercard, right? So, so in our case, uh, we are issuing you the card, or let's say it's the it's a Kodo co-branded card, and so it is split between our banking partner, us, and the merchant's uh, bank and Mastercard. Right. So, so per transaction is how we uh, make money. Uh, we also have uh, like a small uh, setup uh, fees, and um, eventually, I mean, we're adding a lot of business tools around uh, you know managing your expenses and your finances as a business. So, as a product evolves more, uh, we we'll probably have a freemium kind of a version where if you want more features, more integrations with your banking. Uh, or accounting systems, then we'd probably charge uh, some kind of a monthly fee. But that's not there yet. And of course, the interest, right? So if you take a loan on, um, if you take interest, if you take a loan on the credit line, then there's an interest that you... So this is shared between you and the issuing bank? Yeah. The interest? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so these uh, additional integrations that you want to build up, like, give me an example, like, say, instead of manually entering... Uh, the spend it would automatically get into your tally or your zoho books or whatever like yes, stuff like so that yes that is one um, example where it can integrate with your um, you know accounting system right um, and um, so so there are a bunch of uh, more things that we have planned like for instance there's one part which is uh, free right now and it will be is that you can actually manage your subscriptions right so uh, as a founder what happens is you would have your card put up on a lot of different subscription services and you know often you forget uh, and your card keeps getting hit right and so now this is one place where if you have your kodo cards on uh, various subscriptions you can see okay these are the five places where my, we have a separate tab for that you can see these are the five places where my card is on subscription and you can block those subscriptions if you'd like and unblock them you know um so so sometimes it happens and you know especially newer saas companies they make uh, canceling a subscription super hard right i mean they they say okay call our call center to cancel it so in that scenario <laughs> you can just go in not even like i've been struggling with a linkedin charge on my card uh, my personal card i wrote to linkedin they have no idea what that charge is about my own account doesn't show any kind of premium subscription so eventually i had to like block the card altogether to stop that wow charge. and you're not able to stop it from linkedin yeah they said we don't know uh, like like it's not on my account like my personal linkedin account doesn't show any charge so i don't know when i used it maybe i used it for an employee or something like okay. that and i don't even, so you know I, i've not been able to track that so wow yeah it happened to me once and i wrote to them and i said okay um i i want to cancel my subscription and Uh, somehow when when you threaten to cancel subscription then they reimburse so maybe that's a small hack you can do uh, but yeah so then you should probably put your kodo card on on linkedin and everywhere else yeah then you can block it there if it, if you need to yeah absolutely I mean, this is an amazing feature yeah. so uh, and uh, how have you been funding it so far so uh, you know we've deployed our own capital uh, into this uh, so far and um, you know we got accepted into yc recently so uh that gives us uh, a little bit more funding and um, yeah so and, and then of course uh, we we plan to raise another round next year so uh, tell me about yc like you said yc gives you funding like in what way like yc gives you funding as soon as you get accepted or they make you like attractive for vcs to fund eventually like what is the what is the value add of so they YC? do write a small check right um, they they do offer 125000 dollars so as part the moment you join yc right and and of course then there's a demo day at the end of the program where you can raise a much larger round so yeah so so that uh, that is what and of course i mean yc is a lot more than money right it's it's really um, 
at least and, and, and for me it's very new right now uh, but I'm super excited to be a part of it and it's just that you know you're a part of a tribe where um, you know people are trying to build uh, something uh, amazing in their businesses and and the uh, YC ecosystem has a, a network of super smart, super successful founders and the partners themselves have built businesses and scaled them. And, and they kind of have seen tons of data points, right, of what works, what does not work uh, over, uh, you know, more than a decade. And because that's all they do all the time. Right. So so it's really something where you can kind of leverage that um, that experience of so many companies and founders and partners over the last uh, decade or more and uh, distill that and, and they help you uh, in kind of, you know, along along the journey. And um, yeah, I mean, I think what we're excited about is to really tap into that knowledge pool and uh, that, that would help us uh, guide us over the next stage of our company. Because, we, I mean, for us, like, you know, our product's ready. We know what's working. We've got the product market fit. It's just about scaling it from here, right? And, and we've, we've, we're a part of the best in the business to help us do that. Uh, why did you choose to uh, apply for YC? I mean, you know, there's a cost for everything. Like, there would have been a cost in terms of time spent in doing the application process, which I'm sure must have been significant. So, you know, what made you want to do So, this? YC is like the blue chip in the industry, right? When it comes to, uh, you know, a startup. I mean, any startup would, you know, it's like the place to kind of go and uh, be a part of that ecosystem to, to really modify your business for the next scale up. So, I think that's, that and in terms of the application of course they have a full set of questions that you have to fill and answer and um, you know that that does take time but that is like super valuable exercise in itself whether you make it to YC or not because they ask very fundamental questions and you have to answer them in plain English and and with numbers right an important part is that you have to substantiate whatever you're saying with real data like whether you have a product uh, and, and the numbers and the metrics right so that exercise really kind of if you do it diligently and of course you can do it in a very um, you know superficial way as well but if you are diligent about that it, it really helps you kind of dig deep into your business and, and answer questions at a very fundamental level and see if that is substantiated by the metrics of a business right so I think um, Versus comparing that to building a deck, I think uh, in a deck, anybody is very, you know, as far, so there are all these things, right? In a deck, you shouldn't have, you should use like an X font and you should not have more than one idea and, and it should not be in, in, like, shouldn't have too much like information overload. So when you're trying to balance like really how the insight that you have about the business and, and um, you know, what is it that you're really doing in trying to come up with a one-liner, which can be written in like a size 20 font or something. Um, it's super hard, right? And I think I think people who have that skill are, I think, exceptional where they're able to do that. Um, but I think um, just to have that liberty to explain your thought process uh, and, and in a consistent way, right? So, so they ask like different questions uh, in the application form. And, um, you know, it's also, but, but it's important to have at least the way I, you know, when I would read my own answers, I would always see, okay, is it consistent? Is it something that, um, I'm actually, uh, and I mean, thankfully for me, it was consistent. I didn't have to do much around it, but if you see any signs of inconsistencies, right, then that's the red flag where you yourself as a founder need to think through it that, okay, what is it that uh, I'm really doing? And sometimes you don't have those answers, and which is fine, right? Because it's like an early journey. But it at least surfaces those problems, right, in front and center to you. So even if you make it or don't make it, just that exercise is super valuable. And why do you think uh, YC selected you or they, like, shortlisted you? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, it's, it's really, I mean, something that I'll get to know over the next few months uh, but I think attraction is something that was super attractive right so um, you know 
we we did uh, there, there are a lot of vice so yc network is super um, close knit they're always out there to help each other so so there were a lot of people who offered to review your application and uh, do mock interviews so yeah i mean from at least from what the uh, alumni told me a couple of them whom i shared the application form where they were like excellent traction and and you know like so i think that kind of stood out a lot and um one of the important things at least from what the partners have told us that you should have the clear insight into the problem and and how are you well equipped to handle it right so i'm assuming if they selected us they probably you know were satisfied with that that the insight into the problem and uh, you know our capability to address it uh, was something that they were comfortable with what is the uh, origin behind the name kodo like you know where did that come from it's a japanese word yes, right yes that's right uh well the kodo uh, means multiple things uh, even in japanese depending on the kanji right japanese uh, like like we have um, devnagari that's called kanji over there depending on how you write it it means multiple things um, the meaning that we chose to took is that kodo means the rhythm of the heartbeat right and um, you know every transaction a business makes every expense a business has is basically a pulse in in the life of a business right so we said well um you know eventually we want to serve businesses by offering them a platform to do all of their financial uh, or banking activities on kodo so you know we want to be that heartbeat of the business that keeps it running but any special affinity for japan or like Uh, it's just like part of a brainstorming oh, exercise oh no so yeah i i don't know i i like japan a lot of like normally when i have this thing i don't visit the same place twice because there's so much to see in the world and there's only so many years we have but japan is one place where i've visited many times um, i don't know some connection there but i i love that country it's just everything is like a uh, couple of things stand out right one is that everything works there right it's just everything is so systematic and efficient and the japanese people have a lot of empathy you know they're just like um think through every part of whenever they're designing a product or a service they think through every touch point so i think that's always fascinated me um what like like for instance in terms of how the efficiency of the system is there right i'll give you an example um so so i went hiking in in japan um you know in a certain area i'll come to the name of the place um and you basically are in the interiors of japan and um, you're uh, like you take buses to various places now like somewhere in the middle of the small city or a small town there is um you know we had the schedule for a bus to come at 7:34 a.m and the bus was there at 7:34 a.m. right not a, not a minute before not a minute late right and it is a bus it's not a train right so it's that's the level of efficiency i mean at at one station like again in the interior somewhere you have to change multiple trains uh my husband had a backpack where uh he was carrying a, a lot of like currency you know like for our travels and uh he left that bag in a train and then we had to change a train and we went somewhere else after like two changes of the trains he realized he had left his bag and 3 hours later i think 3 or 4 hours later we got the bag right and it was untouched so uh of course it's a developed country and there's no poverty and maybe that's why we got it back but it's just uh, you know really like high up there when it comes to ethics and empathy and efficiency right like civilized is like the most civilized yeah. country yeah. probably yeah and and um, yeah even philosophically i think there are a lot of things that are related to so so the um um the hike that we went for is in a region called kamano kodo uh, right so that's where the word I, that's where i heard the word the first time <laughs> and uh yeah so it's basically a pilgrimage and it's very sacred to to the japanese people so it's like uh to draw a parallel it's like the i would say so so it's a you know like india you have char dham yatra right where you have to go to these four places to uh, before you, uh, you die right to achieve salvation so they have something similar there called and, and it's a walking trails so it's like walking meditation you have to go to these like three important shrines and and it's a forested and a hilly area and and you walk to them so in the like 
I think thousands of years ago, the imperial family used to kind of follow that route uh, to those pilgrimages. So, so yeah, so we did that. Um, my husband and I did that, um, you know, in I think uh, December 2018, and um, it was a most surreal experience. It's it's like um, so it's it's walking meditation where instead of sitting in one place, you're walking in the forest. And and you're kind of uh, hitting up these uh, shrines, and um, yeah, so so that's where I mean I heard the word, and it wasn't like that's when I said okay this is the word I'm going to use. But later on, when I was kind of thinking through various options, and I could relate back to my period there, it, it kind of fit in. Um, yeah, and and in Kumano Kodo, the word actually means something else. It doesn't mean the rhythm of the heartbeat. But when we looked up and we spoke to our Japanese friends, um, they kind of told us what it means in various forms and, and we picked that up. So something similar uh, happened with me. My business is called right. Unnati. So, uh, I mean, it was something similar. I incidentally like came across the name and I loved it. And then later on, of course, you justify that, okay, this is Unnati means progress. Yeah. And these things often are like, you know, there's a, uh, like a gut connection with the word at times. Which, yeah, it surfaces yeah. later, right? It's not like in the moment you're like, yeah, a light bulb goes on and you're like, okay, this is it. It's something that kind of surfaces later and, and you kind of find that connection. So that was Dipti telling us how her fintech idea led her to developing Kodo. To apply for a Kodo credit card, log on to their website www.kodo.in that is www.kodo.in like the founder thesis podcast then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing technology career advice books and drama visit the podium.in that is t h e p o d i u n dot i n for a complete list of all our shows